on, on the screen, but we are in week number five of our sermon series where we've been teaching you a principle of the golden rule. We called it stay gold. We taught you different things. Uh, last week, we took a look at uh, being encouraging. I told you to be somebody who made everybody feel like a somebody, that if you want to surround yourself in an, with an encouraging atmosphere, if you want encouragement to find you, then you first need to become somebody who finds people to, to encourage. And so in essence, we've been teaching you this principle out of Luke chapter 6 where Jesus says, do to others as you want them to do to you. In other words, you need to be what you want to see. If you want certain things in your life, so instead of praying about God bringing things to you, God says, go become those things, and who you are attracts what you, what you desire. And so if you want to have generosity uh, be attracted to your life, you must first be a generous person. If you want encouragement, you must be an encouraging person. Today, I'm going to talk to you about my least favorite topic of this sermon series, the one that I struggle the most with, uh, being patient. Anybody else struggle with patience in this house? Like, I, I think... It might be the number one struggle. Like, let me give you a couple, couple ways that I, that I struggle with patience. If, I, uh, if I'm sick and, and I get an ibuprofen bottle, Advil, whatever you take, I take ibuprofen, I have a headache or something like that, and I take it out and I read the directions and it says, take two pills every eight hours and blah, 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 blah. What I read is, take four pills every four hours and it'll work better. Anybody else do that? You're like, the more, the better. But here's the thing, because I'm not patient, Right? Because I'm not patient, I've done this in my life, and every part of my life, I talked to a young uh, a teenager today, they're a senior in high school, or a junior in high school, and they said, I'm just ready to get out of high school. I understand it, but, but, uh, and, and, and she won't ever understand it until she's 36. No, you don't want to be out of high school. Like, like you want to enjoy every step of the way. Not even that, after you have a baby, this is the, when you have a baby, you're like, I just want them to sleep through the night, Right? And then I want them to, to, to go to the bathroom in the, in the, in the, bath, in the, in the bathroom. And, and, then, and then I want them to, to just be able to change themselves. And then I want them to just be able to do their own hair. And then I want all this. And then you get kids that do that, and you're like, I just want them to be babies again. <laughs> Any parents here, you like, you, your, your impatience leads you through missing kind of opportunities in life. And then you always kind of want them back. And listen, I deeply and desperately struggle with, with patience. I don't know if anybody else does in this place. But I also know how important it is. The, the, the Bible says in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That, that the fruit of the Spirit, that, 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 that is somewhere in my life. Like I, It has to be in there, and if it's in there, I know it's, I know it's important. There's no wasted ingredient. It's not like God just threw it in there by accident. That it ha- actually has to be important, but here's the problem with it, is I misinterpret many times what patience is. Don't, don't we do that? Like patience for, for us, when we think of it, is just idly kind of sitting there waiting for the paint on the wall to dry. Just, just kind of sitting back. It's a, it's a very uh, weak kind of thing. When you think about patience, you're not, you don't put it in the same boat as like, as like uh, strength and, and, and tenacity. You're not, you don't go, I'm really patient. Like it's not, it doesn't sound very, for me, it doesn't sound very masculine. It, it, it sounds more like, like, like I'm just kind of laid back. But the, the problem is we misjudge it. I don't know if you, you have a wife in this place, if you're a man that, that does workout videos. Anybody have a wife that does workout videos and you have tried those workout videos with them before and you completely misjudge how hard the workout videos are uh, because, because they look like they're, 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 they're wimpy, right? And so on vacation, we were down at Myrtle Beach and she was going to get her workout video on and I was like, I'll do it with you. 
And she was like, do you have something for weights? I was like, nah, I'll just do it with you. And, I was, and she was like, you, you know, what, what, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'll just do your workout video with you. And so with kid, we put the kids in the room because I didn't want them to be embarrassed for their dad doing this lady's workout video. And I was like, I'll do this with you. I'll, I'll meet, I, it, this can't be that hard. Anybody ever say that? The Bible says that pride comes before the fall. I'm like, this can't be that hard. So my wife has these weights. I, I don't even have any weights. I'm using air for my weights. And we start doing this workout video. Now, I'm under the impression that it is healthy for your heart to take a break every, every minute when you're working out. Are you with me? This workout video, it was, it was called a 21-minute shred, right? And, and, and it, was just, it was just non-stop working out. I was like, this is not healthy. And so I did this workout video, and literally about 15 minutes into it, I'm laying on the ground. I'm about to die. I don't even have weights. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm done. This is stupid. This is the dumbest. Like, there's no breaking. There's no water fountain. There's nothing. There's nobody to talk to. You won't even laugh with me about this. This is stupid. The next day I woke up, I'm at the beach. I'm like, oh. I'm a dude, I never work my glutes out. I'm like, I try to sit down, I'm like, oh, right? <laughs> Completely misjudge how, how hard this workout, if you have a, a wife that does workout videos, go home and do it, you'll be crying the next day. It is awful, right? It is, it is awful. The same thing happens with patience. We completely misjudge the significance of it. We think patience is waiting, but biblically, the word patience and the word endurance are many times inter, inter, intertwined. And when you think about endurance, all of a sudden it becomes much more tough and rugged and, oh, yeah, that's something that, that I want. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says to run your race patiently. Think about that. If you just think about patience as we define it, that's not, that's not really good advice, to run your race with patience. But if you intertwine that word with endurance, and many of your Bibles say that, to run your race with endurance, to, to keep going when it would be easier to give up. In fact, listen to what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 16. I love this proverb. Watch this, what it says. It says, better a patient person than a warrior. What? Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Uh, in, in other words, patience or endurance is the thing you have inside of you that enables you to keep going even when you're tired. That, that we don't stop in this Christian faith when we're tired, we stop when we're done. Are, are you with me? That, that actually, if I were to find patience, patience is just concentrated endurance. It's the ability to keep going when it would be easier to quit. Now, if we just talk about that and you think about your kids and you think about your, your marriage and you think about your legacy, doesn't patience, the importance of it change? How many people have kids in this room are going to raise kids someday that simply won't wait for God's best because you won't wait for God's best? How many kids are going to quit right before they get to the end because they've watched you consistently quit and not endure? When the times get tough, how many times are your kids going to go, well, you didn't keep going. So, so I think about my kids and I'm like, man, patience is a big deal, right? But endurance is an even bigger, like if that's what it means, like, man, if you would ask me, what is one thing you want your kids to have or two things or three things, on the very top of my list is I want my kids to be endurant in their faith. I want them to keep going. When they get married someday, and I'm going to clearly tell them, you're not going to wake up every day loving your spouse with these, these, these flowery feelings inside of you. You're going to love them by choice, and I want them to be enduring at that moment, just like me and their, their mom was enduring. Like, I'm going to let them know, not every day does your mom thrilled to be married to me, if you know what I'm saying. But there's some days that, that I think she's praying for the rapture to come. There's some days that we're going through a little bit of a struggle. But we, 
Listen, we endured together. It, sometimes it was hard, right? But we, we kept going, and I want them when they get married desperately to have that same enduring faith. When they, when they walk out into the plans of God and it gets hard because it will, I want them to endure. And, and I want you to hear the words of Christ in this passage. Because Jesus was telling his disciples, man, it's going to be really hard for you. I'm just going to let you know. Straight up, it's going to be really hard. I think this is a good passage as we go into our next sermon series, Make the Church Great. It's going to be much more difficult. Once again, patience is just concentrated endurance. It's not stopping when you're tired. It's stopping when you're done. Listen to what Jesus says in the book of Luke chapter 21. He says, but before all this, it's going to get hard. It's going to be bad. But before all this, he, he, say this, he, says, he says, they will seize you and they will persecute you. Watch what it says then. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors, all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you would defend yourself. This is, in, this is the encouraging part, right? Make up your mind beforehand that you, you, don't, you don't want to kind of worry about how you're going to defend yourself. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. I love that. In other words, what he's saying is, I'll make you much smarter than you are. Isn't that good news? It's not about your PhD. It's not about your GPA. It's not about how many things you have in front of you. It's not about how many master's degree. Some of the most successful people in the world simply were endurant. And they said, you know what? I'm not going to make it my business to worry about how I'm going to defend God because God will make me much smarter than I am. That's, that's good news. And it, it keeps going and does this. Uh, for I'll give you words of wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by your, this is awful news, by your parents, by your brothers, by your sisters, by your relatives, by your friends, by your dog and your cat. And they will put some of you to death. It didn't say that. Everyone will hate you because of me. And then watch this what it says. But not a hair in your head will perish. Stand firm. Be patient. Be endurant. And you will win life. What's the one thing your kids need to win life? Stand firm. What's the one thing that your marriage needs? Stand firm. Be endurant. What's the one thing you need to see all of God's dreams for your life come to pass in your life? Is it talent? No. Is it you memorizing Buku's description? No, that stuff's important. It's just the, the, the ability when you're tired to keep going. We don't stop when we're tired. We stop when we're, come on, say it with me, when we're done. I got to wake somebody up in this house. This message has the ability to change your life. One of my favorite animals, uh, and I don't really love animals that much, but one of my favorite animals is the cheetah. I love the cheetah because the cheetah can run 70 miles per hour on land. That's, that's fast. You know, the cheetah will chase things. You ever see the National Geographic or whatever? They, they'll, they'll chase things, and, and they run things down, and they, and they get them, and they, and they kill them. But do you know that the cheetah has a disproportionate size of a heart in their body? And so the truth about the cheetah is they can run really hard, really far, for only a short amount of time. They'll take off running, and if they don't catch their prey within a few, few minutes of racing, they have to stop or they'll die. And what I found as a pastor over the last 10 years is, is many people I know are cheetahs. They'll run really fast, really hard for a few moments. They won't get what they think they should have, and, and they'll quit. Oh, I don't want my kids to be this way. Life's going bad, so I'll run hard and fast for a few moments until, until I get what I think I need, but then I don't get it, and I'm, and I'm done. I'm going to serve the Lord just for a few seconds. I'll do the right thing just for a little bit. 
So I want to talk to you today just about three areas of, of my life that I want to pass on to my children. The first two I'm, I'm, I'm working and I'm pretty good at. The last one we're still working through, and so we're going to preach that together. We might run out of time for that one, and so... Uh, because I don't want to be a hypocrite, but we're going to talk about the first two and definitely get to the, the third one at the end. But there's three areas that, that I think that you could to be patient in today, that you can pass on patience, that if, you, if, you're, if you're a single person, that you're building a foundation of, of patience because it's, it's important, it's enduring, it's what keeps you going when, you're, when you feel like giving up because we don't stop when we're tired, we stop when we're done. Some of you are tired in this place and you want to give up. You're not a cheetah. Keep running. Maybe you're running slow. Remember the story, the tortoise and the hare. That story never gets old. Just keep going. You keep going in the right spot, you'll never end up. You keep doing the right things, you'll never end up in the wrong spot. Isn't that true of all, all of life? So I'm going to give you three areas. Number one is you're going to live with patient thinking. You're going to live with patient thinking. Let me, let me explain to you this. Some of you's outlook on life is, is simply impatient. Your outlook on life or your attitude on life is a great determining factor to if you're going to be patient. And, and, and what I mean by that, some of you are so fixed on what you're going through that you've forgotten what you're called to. When you get fixed on what you're going through, it, it, will, it, will, enable, it, will, it will keep you or cancel out your ability to get to the thing that God has called you to. Some of us get so fixated on, on, the, on the through. Don't we do it with kids? We get a baby. We're, we're so fixated on what we're going through in that moment that we forget what God's taken us to. We, we, we do it in the midst of a, a trial in our life. We do it in the midst of a relational breakdown. We do it in the midst of a job situation. We get so fixated on what we're going through and we forget what God is calling us to. And the problem is when what you're going through is bigger than what you're going to, you'll eventually just quit. Your, your thinking will be, you'll be, become so obsessed with the very thing you're facing, and you'll forget where, where, where you're going. And, and I love what it says about Jesus in the book of Romans chapter 15. It says, may, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. May, may the God who gives endurance give you the same mind that Jesus Christ had. Let's just talk about what Jesus went through. He went through every one of his friends abandoned him. Everyone. When he was on the cross, people mocked the same people that waved the palm branches at him a week before and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, had turned their back on Jesus, were spitting on Jesus, were mocking Jesus. He hung on the cross. And just think about it. At any moment, he could have taken himself off that cross and brought holy destruction on all those people. The through that he was going to was awful. The Bible says it, it, what he was going through was so bad that, that even he cried out, God, why are you forsaking me? At some point, even God had to turn his back on his one and only son because the sin he was carrying, God couldn't look upon. What do you think kept Jesus going? The Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For, for the joy. Who was the joy? It, it was you and me. For, for the vision of what he was called to, for the thing that was going to happen, for the church that was going to be built and established 2,000 years, 2, years later, for the billions of people that have received salvation through the gift of Jesus Christ, he hung on that cross. Why? What he was called to was much more important than what he was going through. And for some of you, you consistently jump off God's plan and destiny for you because you become obsessed with the through Instead of being obsessed with the two. Let me give you an example. My own life, a few weeks ago, we drove to Myrtle Beach. You ever take a road trip with your family? 
man, what you're going to has to be so much greater than what you're going through in that moment. Because there's a few times at every road trip that you're like, we should just turn around. We should just go home. And so we get in our car after a Sunday, and we're getting, we're going to drive down to Myrtle Beach nine and a half hours. So we get in our car, we start driving. GPS says nine and a half hours. Now you have to understand, some of you are going, that's really long. For me, a few weeks before that, we had driven 21 hours with my three kids. So the sheer fact they were still alive was a miracle from, from God. And so we get in our car, we start driving, and we're excited about going on to Myrtle Beach. I mean, I'm excited about the beach. I'm spending time with my wife and my kids. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go ride rides. We're going to go all this stuff. It's going to be a good time. And we get in our car, and we are not even on the road. We have to stop at Wawa. It takes 35 minutes to pick out food at Wawa with my three kids every time. In fact, it was so bad that this last trip when we went to Rehoboth for a week, I said, we're not stopping. We are packing. And you know what? Maybe we won't even pack. You won't even eat. We're not stopping on the way down, and we're going to get there, and we're going to eat when we get there. You can be hungry. You can miss a meal. You eat three meals a day, sometimes six, and so you'll be fine. We're not stopping. We can stop at Wawa. It's, I'm not lying. 35 minutes later. My GPS has gone from 10.15, arrival time, to 10.45 because of one stop, and we're still in Phoenixville. <laughs> get in the car, we, get, we travel, we go down through Exton, go down through, through, through Westchester, go down through Wilmington, Delaware, finally get on 95. 95 is a pawn of Satan, right? <laughs> Anybody, you get, you get on 95, I'm like, it's Sunday, everybody, like, we're, we look across, things, everybody's coming back from the beach, we're heading down, I'm like, look at them, it stinks for them, and I'm like, this is amazing for us, we're traveling, I'm on 95, less than 15 minutes, boom, bumper to bumper traffic, I'm still 45 minutes from Baltimore, Baltimore it is not even close to Washington, D.C., and Washington, D.C., it, it, it takes sometimes hours to get through that, and we are in bumper-to-bumper traffic. I'm hitting detour over and over and over and over again. Every time I get off the road for a detour, we just hit more traffic. I'm about to lose my mind. And in that moment, me and my wife, we had to take a deep breath. My three kids are in the back. They're not sleeping yet because it's like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They're complaining. Are we almost there? I mean, we, we are eight and a half hours away from Myrtle Beach. Are we almost there? What do you mean are we almost there? It took us almost five hours to get to Washington, D.C. We get on the other side of Washington, D.C. We're in the south, so we go get some Popeye's chicken, right? We eat some Popeye's chicken, and at that moment, the traffic cleared up, and we, we made it about five hours later down, down there, and, and we pulled in. And all of a sudden, what we were, what we were, what we were, where we were at, what we were going to, it outweighed what we had just went through. So many times in our lives, we, we, we look at the through, and it, it gets us to take a detour, and we never get to where God is calling us to be. You go through a marriage problem. You go through some up and downs, which, by the way, that is in your entire marriage will be like that. There'll be good seasons, there'll be bad seasons, it'll be, it'll be hot, it'll be cold, you're going to have to work, you're going to have to figure things out. And so many times in the, in, the, in the cold season, when stuff might be growing down deeper, because the deeper it grows, the healthier it is, it might be growing down deeper, and the, and the thing that's growing is actually you in that moment, which you need to. Instead, we, we, we abandon because of what we're going through. We forget what the picture of the two, Right? You, you have kids, and, and man, it's so much work. Every season of having kids, it seems like you're trying to figure out a whole new book, right? You're like, I'm an expert on this now, and they do something new. And you want to give up, and you, and you waste, and you stop enduring, and you start to check out because it feels like it's not working, and you've told them the same thing over and over and over again, and you forget what you're going to. What are you going to? I'm raising a fully devoted follower of Christ. They might not know it yet. They're going to change the world, and right now what I'm going through seems like hell on earth, but I know what we're called to. And so many times people live with impatient 
impatient thinking. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 4 says. It says, Therefore, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We don't quit when we're tired. We quit when we're... So we need to write that down somewhere. I'm tired. Endurance is not the ability to go when you're, when you're healthy and you feel good. Endurance is the ability to keep going when you have no strength left. Trust me, it happens every summer about this time. We're, we're coming to the end of the summer. Summer feels like you're walking in quicksand at church. You just want to keep going. You want people to come back. You want it to get cold. You want the pumpkin spice to come. You want football to start. You want the holidays to come. You want, you want stuff to start happening in your church again. And you get to the end of August, and I smile every week about summer. Oh, it's going to be better than it was last year. It never is. And you ready to be in a fetal position, and by August 24th, the last week of the year, like everybody's coming back for, for school, but then they don't, and then Labor Day comes, and it kicks you in the face one more time. By the end of it, you just want just to tap out. But then look at my boys, and I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't quit when we're, we're tired. We quit when we're done. And for Christians, when we're done is when our heart stops beating. When our heart stops beating, and the life is taken from this body, and my soul was with Jesus in heaven. That's when I can rest. I'm going to live my life with patient thinking. God, where I'm called to is greater than anything that I'm going through right now. N- number two is this. Is I'm going to stand in patient timing. I- I'm going to stand in my life in trusting God. So I'm going to stand in patient timing. A few years ago, in 1970, they did this marshmallow experiment. You ever hear this? Every pastor has used this illustration. If you haven't heard it, you probably haven't been in church that long, but I've used it a million times. And so, but they did this, this, this marshmallow uh, experiment with, with, with groups of four kids. You ever, you ever hear? What they would do is they would bring these kids in, and, and, and they would ask them to do things, perform, answer questions, and every time they answered a question or did what they asked to do, they would give them a marshmallow. I mean, you can get kids to do crazy stuff for marshmallows, and so they would give them a marshmallow. And then at one point, uh, there's a knock at the door. This is a new part of the experiment. And somebody comes, the, the person who's doing the experiment leaves, and then he comes back and they say, hey, I have to step out of the room for a moment. Here's a marshmallow right in front of you. If you eat it before I come back, th- that's fine. But if you wait until I come back, now here's the thing. They don't know how long they're going to be waiting. They don't know what the time frame looks like. They don't know what the details are. But if you just wait until I get back, I'll give you another marshmallow so you have two marshmallows. And they would leave the room. And they would watch as some of these kids were like, Pfft. And then there's other kids, they were like, you ever try to be patient and like, and like think of other things and distract yourself and do jumping jacks and do whatever they can, and they waited until the person got back and they got two marshmallows. They studied those kids some years later and they found out that the kids that waited were much more successful in life. They were much more enduring. They could go through much more. When, when, when times got tough, many times they got tougher. They didn't stop when they were tired. They stopped when they were, they were done. And I think it's interesting because many of you are, are one marshmallow people when it comes to God's timing. You can have this right now. You can have that relationship right now if you want. You can. I know the person doesn't love Jesus. I know that it probably won't turn out well. But you won't be lonely right, right now so you'll feel better Right now, some of us are trading in temporary happiness for eternal purpose. You, you, listen, 
You can buy all those things right now and be happy right now. You can be self-consumed with yourself right now. But if you just wait, if you just trust in my, my timing, if you just trust that I'm a good God and I'm coming, man, I think some of you, how many of you in this room and how many listen in Plymouth Meeting and how many in Limerick are going to not experience the greatest moments of your life simply because you're a one marshmallow person? Think about it. In the Bible, how many people that God said, here, this is what's going to happen. But then it was years before it happened. Abraham, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. He leaves his, his land that he knew. He packs up his family and he goes and he never has a baby until he's 100 years old. Imagine that shock. I'm 36. I don't want that shock, right? Guess what? You have another baby. You're 100. And for Abraham, he hadn't had any baby yet. And then the worst part of Abraham's story is even when he found out, hey, it's finally coming. You've been waiting for years. He still didn't wait. He still got impatient. He still caused problems in the legacy of his life. I've been stuck on the story of, the, of Jesus' resurrection in the day of Pentecost because we were getting ready to talk about the church. So the day of Pentecost, the story says that there was a group of people in, in an upper room. Jesus had left to go back to, to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes on these people, and these people change this world. Like 120 people in this upper room, they come out. They're speaking languages they did not know. They're singing praises to God. 3,000 people get saved, and they turned the world upside down. Like it is an incredible miracle that happened in that upper room. But I've been stuck on the details of the story. See, Jesus rose from the dead. That's what the Bible says. And then the Bible lets us know that he appeared to his disciples. And then at one point, the book of Corinthians says that he appeared to more than 500 people. So, so we know that at one point, there's 500 people that have seen Jesus. They saw the nails, the nail-scarred hands. They saw the feet. They, they, they've, they've seen Jesus. I mean, that's an impressive feat. You would think, and I would think, if I could actually see Jesus, I would trust him much more, Right? Like some of you, your excuse for continuing to walk away from God, continuing to be disobedient, is it just takes too much faith. And I want to show you that you're just lying to yourself. Because there's 500 people. They see Jesus. He's walking around. He's risen from the dead. You would think if Jesus said, hey, roll around in dirt for the next seven years, I'd do that. Why? Because the dead dude is walking around now. Whatever he wanted me to do. You, some of you think, if I just saw whatever he would ask me to do, I would do it. If I could just hear his voice once. And so 500 people see him. The Bible says that on the day that he ascends to the heavens, there's people watching. At one point, there's 500. We don't know how many are at the mountain. He ascends and he says, hey, go wait. Wait. Be patient. And I'm going to send you the comforter. And when he comes, he's going to fill you up. And then he says this, and you're going to do even greater things than I got to do on this earth. You're going to change this world, but you have to wait. Ten days passed. You know how many people were in the upper room? I would think there would be 500. Ten, ten days. Forty days on this earth, Jesus walked the earth after he rose. Ten days on the earth between when he said, go wait and wait. Ten, ten days. That's nothing. The Bible says there's 120 people in the upper room when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit comes. You know what that means? There's 380 people. That's, that's, that's good math right there. Are you with me? That saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, that missed one of the greatest moments in the history of this world. Because of 10 days, some of you are going to miss the greatest moments in your life because you simply refuse to trust in God's timing. God, I can't wait for the right person. God, I can't wait for the right relationship. God, I can't wait for the right job. God, I can't wait for this blessing to come. God, I can't wait. And you're going to miss the greatest moments in your life simply because you're not patient. Impatience makes you believe that everything has to happen 
right now. See, what I believe about God is I believe he's, at, he's just at the right time, God. In fact, that's what it says in the book of Romans 5. It says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He's at just the right time, God. So in other words, this is what I, this is what, these are two things I try to practice in my life. Ready? As long as I, as long as you are putting in the effort to become who God created you to be, you need to be at peace with where God has currently called you to be. Now listen, if you're doing stupid stuff, don't blame it on God. Are you with me? 85% of the things that people do in church are not God's plan for their life. Are you with me? That he can make a, a, a success out of your messes, but, but oftentimes you will walk away from God and then it will turn out bad and you'll go bad. So in my own life, I always want to take a survey, a census, is what I'm doing, is it being obedient to God? And if it is, then 100% of the time, then I'm going to be okay with where he has currently called me to be. Why? If God has not brought it to me yet, then I don't need it now because when I need it, he'll get it here. Let's say that again together. If God, say it, has not brought it to me yet, I don't need it now because when I need it, he'll get it to me. You need to write that down somewhere. If I'm not married yet, I don't need to be married yet. Why? Probably because you're still self-centered. Woo, that's good preaching. Probably because you would ruin it, right? There was a time in my life where I was engaged to Leah, we broke up, and we got engaged again. And some of you say, why? And I would say, because in that in-between time, I was a complete idiot. And if I would have got married when I was a junior in college, I would probably be on my fourth marriage by now. And I certainly wouldn't be pastor in this church. I had to figure some stuff out in my life before I was able to be a husband and a father. And I'm still figuring those things out at this point in my time. I certainly have not arrived. But if God has not brought it to me yet, I don't need it now. Because when I need it, God will what? He'll bring it to me. God will bring it to me. Man, I'm much more excited about that than you are. How much longer do I got to wait? I don't know if you waited more than a week. I'm just saying. Number three. We're going to think patiently. We're going to live with patient timing. We're going, to, we're going to rest in God's patient timing. God is in control. It hasn't happened yet. You don't need it now. Because if you needed it now, God would bring it to you already. He'll get it to you when it's time. I'm going to have patient thinking, which by the way, if you worry, have anxiety, have fear, have to take pills, have to have a, uh, something to help you sleep, you're probably not trusting in God's timing. Like, that's just reality. All those things are, are, are there in a heart that's not trusting God. I, I only know because I've been there. Been, I've had many sleepless nights. Every time we start a campus, I lose sleep. What if we can't pay the bills? God, what if nobody comes? God, what if this was a mistake? God, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And oftentimes I need to step back and I go, I'm not trusting God's, God's timing. I'm not living with patient thinking. God, why am I going through this? I don't know. I don't know why oftentimes I go through the things I go through, but I, but I know what God's calling me to. So if God's calling me to something, then I'm completely okay right now with what I'm going through. And, and I think uh, an overflow of that, and the only reason I say this as I talk about this point, is because when I'm not resting in God's timing, and my mind's not established in godly thinking when it comes to patience, let me tell you exactly what happens in my life. I have trouble with my temper. I become a completely impatient person. 
You want to know why one of, some of the times I'm the most impatient in my, in, my, in my life? Sunday afternoon. Oh my gosh. I go up in my room many days and I just mope in my bed. My kids will come up and they know. If I'm laying in the bed, they know the look. Get away from your dad. You know what? Oftentimes I don't trust in God's timing and my mind is not established in God's thinking. I'll become obsessed with what I'm going through instead of where God is taking me to. I'll become obsessed. I struggle with this often. God, I'm 36 years old. I'm almost 37. God, shouldn't have I accomplished more with my life at this point? Shouldn't I have done more? Shouldn't my church be doing more? Shouldn't I be more? I want my kids to be proud of me. I want my kids to have something when we leave. I want them to be a part of this church for years until you come back. God, shouldn't more happen and all of a sudden I'm becoming impatient in my thinking I'm becoming impatient with God's timing and all of a sudden my, my temper my temper is gone I, I read this quote this week I think it's so good it said, it said home is the place we love the best and we grumble the most is that not true my wife said to me a couple days ago because I have a struggle with this and she'll go is all you do is complain and what do you do well, if they would just do this, if they would just put this away, if they would just clean this up, if they would just stop eating this way, if they would just stop talking this way, if they would just stop breathing, if they would stop messing up everything I've cleaned, if they would do this, then I would be patient. But I lost my patience because of blank. And, and, and she'll say, no, no, you lost your patience not because of blank. Patience comes from the inside. You've lost your patience because you're not trusting in God's timing and you're not living with God's godly thinking, patient thinking, and so it makes you impatient with everybody else. You fly off the handle over things that simply don't matter. My dad told me one time, he used this illustration in church. He talked about a coffee table. I thought he was talking about me because this is my exact personality. He had this coffee table at this house and this little boy messed up the coffee table, put a little nick in the coffee table. So he got mad. This, you know, this, this husband got mad. I've done this many times. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why are you doing this? What is wrong with you? Why do you wreck all my stuff? And the wife came up to the husband and she said, are you willing to ruin a million dollar life over a $45 coffee table? Because you're treating this $45 coffee table like a million dollar coffee table. And you're treating your kids like a $45 life. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you today, oh man, I got that figured out. But I can tell you that I know the road to success. The road to success with the things on the outside, the being patient with my kids, being kind with my kids, being calmer with my kids, being patient with my, my wife, being patient with, 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 with my, my coworkers, being patient with other drivers. Patience does not come when world is perfect. Because here's the thing, the Bible says that you need to bear with one another. You know what that means? That means nobody is ever going to do exactly what you do. If everybody was, was going to be exactly like you were, then you would probably just be by yourself because nobody else thinks like you. Nobody else talks exactly like you. Nobody else makes the exact same noises. Nobody else has the exact, exact same annoying habits as you do. So the Bible says, hey, instead of, instead of trying to find somebody just like you, we just need to bear with one. We need to put up with, with one another. We need to be patient with one another, but patience with other people is established with the inside of a patient heart. So, so these things right here that I could talk to you about, 
the truth is, they're just a step-by-step process, but your patience will always be, be shaken because your, your foundation of patience comes from in here. It comes from patient thinking and patient living. Patient thinking and patient timing. When you begin to trust God with those things, you'll become patient with other people. You'll become patient with other people. It's, it's, just, it's just an overflow of what God wants to do in your life. And I can tell you this, that patience ultimately is one of the greatest examples of somebody who understands the gospel. Because you want to talk about what, what an attribute of who God is to us. It's a, it's a patient God. Every time you've ran away from him, every time you've disobeyed him, every time you haven't taken him at him, I mean, think about it. He is God. Just, just reference this to your kids. You are dad to them, and you tell them things that you know were right and wrong, and they still don't do it. They still walk away. And then sometimes my kids will come to you with a shocked look on their face. You told me not to jump off the bed like that. You told me not to do this, and now I'm hurt. I don't know why I'm hurt. Think about God going, I told you. I told you not to be with that person. I told you how to use your money. I told you what to do. I know, God, I just didn't. I just didn't. You know what God could do with us in those moments? He could walk away and go, okay, I'm just going to give you the silent treatment, which is what some of you do to your kids and your wife, by the way. It's the exact opposite of a godly, a godly demeanor. It's the exact opposite of patience. God could walk away and give you the silent treatment and say, you know what, you figured it out on your own. You, listen, you are a wasted conversation. I will clearly tell you what to do and you still want. You're a wasted conversation. God doesn't do that at all. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. For how many times you run from God, that determines how many times God will run after you. That's the kind of God we serve. He is a patient, enduring God. He doesn't quit on you when he's tired. He quits on you when you're done. He don't stop. How, how are you done? When your heart stops beating and you find eternal rest through Christ Jesus our Lord in eternity. Until that day happens, you have a God who will always endure, who will run after you. It's, it's, it is who our God is. It's what he does. He's patient with you. Some of you right now all over these campuses, man, you've been coming for a while. You've been playing the, the church game, right? Like you, you don't really change. If I were to follow you around during the week, you still allow the same filth and struggles that come into your life and God is patiently waiting to say okay how many more weeks I can't change you till you become obedient to me how many more times you're going to walk out of this church and play the game how many more days you're going to struggle you don't have to you come to God with a repentant heart no secrets no shame the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is there is no condemnation that you can come to God and you can be who you are, and he can change you from the inside out. He is patiently bringing you back. Maybe you're, maybe you're a church person who's come back, tried everything else, and you're back. He's patient with you. He's been patiently longing for you to walk through the doors one more time of Journey Church. And as soon as you walk through these doors, he's been patiently knocking at the door of your heart saying, hey, come on, there's still time. I got so much more to do in your life. Or maybe some of you have said, I don't believe in a God at all. You've tried to do life on your own. But just like everybody else, you've come to the floor. You've come to a broken spot. And you go, you know what? I'm ready to admit that I don't have it all figured out. He is patiently bringing you back to himself. Would you stand up with me all over these houses?
Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? God's patient in this place. God's patient. He doesn't stop when he's tired. He's through with you when you're done. And listen, if your heart is still beating, you're not done. You're not done. There's still a part of the story to be written. There's still hope for you. There's still a future for you. How do I know how much God loves you? Because Jesus said he came to this earth to die on a cross. He's God's one and only son on a cross in your place. That God would willingly give up his son for you. You ran from God. He came to you. That is the story of the Bible. It's not religion. Religion says you get to God. You do the work and maybe God takes you back. The gospel says that Jesus did the work 2,000 years ago. And he has patiently waited for you to walk through these doors. He has patiently waited for you to come to this moment. Maybe you've been here for a while, but come to this moment. I'm not playing no more. I quit all the time. I'm the cheetah. I run fast. I run hard after something. If I don't get it, I quit. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to quit on what God's called me to when I'm tired. I'm going to quit when I'm done. And I feel like giving up. That's where patience and endurance kicks in. It doesn't kick in when you're feeling good. It kicks in when you're about to quit. Won't let me quit. I'm going to concentrate on what God has called me to, not what I'm going through. I'm going to stand firm in the timing of God. That if God hasn't brought it to me yet, I don't need it now. Because when I need it, He'll get it to me. And I know, God, that as I establish myself in thinking and timing, that my temper, the way that I treat other people, the way that I reflect your love, it's going to change. It's going to be part of the overflow of what you're doing in my heart. I'm be able to bear with each other. Why? Because, God, you bear with me. God, when I was full of anxiety and worry and didn't trust you, God, you stuck, you stuck by me. God, when I tried to run from you, God, you ran after me. God, when I disobeyed you, you were still there as a loving father to pick me up even in the midst of my rebellion and disobeying you. God, thank you for your patience. Maybe that's you in this place and you simply need to say that. God, thank you for your patience with me. If you're in this place and you say, you know what? I can feel God's love and his patience in my life. He's not angry with me and I can feel it. The Bible says that he knocks at the door of people's hearts. If they would just let him in, he would come in. So how do you do that? The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus, that he did what I said he did 2,000 years ago on a cross, that he rose from the dead, that in that moment you would be saved. You'd be changed from the inside out. But that's the decision you make. God did everything he could to get to you. He doesn't want you to walk one more day on this earth without a relationship with his son. He loves you more than you could ever know and dream possible. As we're in our Limerick campus and our Plymouth meeting campus and right here, and you say, you know what? I can feel the patient, enduring love of God in this place. And today, I'm going to turn my life over to him. I'm going to turn my life over to him. I'm going to give him my past. I'm going to give him my present. I'm going to trust him. I know he has a big plan. I believe it for my life. And I believe what you're saying, Pastor. My life is not over. I'm not done. God hasn't quit on me. Today I'm going to walk in the freedom that's found in the name of Jesus Christ. The name above all names. If that's you in this place, maybe you've been here for years, and you say, you know what? Today is the day that I'm going to stop messing around. Today is the day that I'm going all in. Today is the day. 
I'm going to trust God like I never trusted Him before. I'm going to seek Him like I've never sought Him before. I'm going to walk with Him in ways I've never walked with Him before. Or maybe for the very first time, you say, you know what? I can feel, I don't even understand everything you're saying. But the presence of God, I can feel it in this place. It's burning in my chest right now. And I can feel His patient love drawing me to Himself. And you're in this place and you say, you know what? I need to have a relationship with this patient, loving Father. With nobody looking around in this moment, with with the Christians in this house, would you just pray right now? Would you pray that the patient presence of God would manifest in this decision that's about to take place? And it will completely change people from this day forward. But if you're in this room and you say, you know what? been here for years, new to this church thing, but I'm in the same spot. I need to have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is patiently, I can feel it, pulling me back to Himself. I've run, but I'm not running. I've been fake, but today I'm taking off the mask. I've tried to do life on my own, but today I'm going to place my life in the hands of my Father. It's not an accident you're here today. This is your moment. This is the time that was designed for you. This is why we gave. This is why we prayed. This is why we fasted. This is why we served today. This is why we did the work to these buildings so that you could have this moment in your life that's going to change you forever. If that's you in this place at Plymouth Meeting in Limerick and you say, that's me. I need a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I can feel Him drawing me to Himself. Would you simply just shoot your hand up in the air so that I can recognize you as we pray? I see yeah, a hand right here. I see hands over here. Is anybody else who would say, Pastor, that's me. Just so you understand why we're clapping. We're just excited for you. We're excited. This is what we pray for. This is what we believe for. We just want to be part of Jesus changing people's lives. You know, different than anybody else in this room, you're simply deciding today, today, I'm not going to do life on my own anymore. I'm not going to struggle through life. I'm not going to carry the weight of my past in this life. I'm going all in. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to have patience on God's timing. I'm going to have patience with my thinking. Is there anybody else in the Phoenixville campus who would say, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray all over these houses. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in this moment. Thank you for those that raised their hand as a confession that they're deciding to follow Jesus, Lord. Thank you for those that maybe didn't raise their hand at Plymouth Meeting in Limerick, where you say, you know what? Nobody knows what I'm struggling, struggling with. Nobody knows the mistakes that I've made. Nobody knows the pain that I've brought into this moment. But I believe you do, God. And I believe your son died on, on a cross in my place. And today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus died, was put into a grave, and on the third day he rose from the dead. And when he did that, he paid completely for my sin, past, present, and future. And he secured my place in eternity. He defeated hell. So now when I take my last breath on this earth, when I've walked out my my life, when when I strive to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, I will stand before the presence of God. And I will not be judged based on my past sin but I'm going to be judged based on this decision that I'm making here today. And when God sees me, he's going to see Jesus. He's going to remember what Jesus did for me on the cross. And he's going to look at me and he's going to say, your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life on September 4th, 2016. That's the day that everything about your life changed. And he's going to welcome me home. And so we're so thankful for that moment, that moment of what we're called to, Lord. And that, that, that too is going to be greater than anything we're going through right now. Lord, we're going to trust wholeheartedly in your timing. If you haven't brought it to us yet, Lord, we believe wholeheartedly that we don't need it now. Because when we need it, 
You'll bring it to us, Lord. And as we, we, we walk and we establish our thoughts and our mindset and patient thinking and patient timing, Lord, it's going to change our temper with other people. It's going to change the way we, we, we enact, react to other people. It's going to change the way we interact with our family. Our families are going to see a change in our, in our temper, in our attitude, in our demeanor because of you, because of what you're doing in our life. You are a patient, loving, forgiving God who gives chance after chance after chance. And we thank you for this moment, and I thank you for that message that we're carrying with us into this world. There's somebody we're going to meet this week that needs to know the message of the church, that needs to know that there's a God who's still for them. There's a God that still has a plan for them. There's a God that still desires to have a relationship with them. No matter what they've done, no matter how dark the pit is, there's a God that will meet them there. And we are thankful that we get to carry, the Bible says, as ambassadors of you into this world. Well, let us do that more successful, with better effort, with more tenacity, and more patience. Why? Because we are a church that doesn't quit when we're tired. We quit when we're done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all over these houses, would you just shout an amen with me? Amen. Let's clap together.